welcome back, listener, to Series 6, Episode 1 of the Absolute Wadi Football Podcast. Hello, Kyle. Season 6. <laughs> Does this mean that we've been doing this podcast for six full seasons of football? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, we started in 2018. Oh, dear. What, three seasons a year? I think it's great. Three seasons a year of the podcast, one season of football, or last season, one and a bit. Oh, topical. How you doing, man? I'm alright. When was the last time we did an episode, Joel? The end of the last season, so what, like yesterday? We had one with Natasha Anderson. We did, yes. Uh, was that about eight weeks ago? However long it was ago, it doesn't quite feel long enough. But the football is back whether we like it or not. Like it or lump it, as... The saying goes. <laughs> this is the latest a season has ever begun. Well, it could frankly have begun a couple of weeks later. Why? I just, I feel footballed out. Like, it just, it just doesn't feel like, like, it was a weird part of, like, lockdown when all those games were on telly and we did our last episode in which, you know, loads of people said some nice things about us. Um, that was probably the highlight of the football calendar in the back end of last season. Other than Liverpool winning the league, obviously. Sorry, Liverpool fans. Um, I just feel like it's too much. It's too much. Let's have a break. Let's let's have a year off. Well, instead, what we've done is have a little <laughs> break for the summer. And now we've come back with a brand new season, a brand new episode. We haven't got a guest today. What we do have is just us two doing basically an extended football bulletin. What is like an extension of a bullet? Uh, basically, this is an episode where if you're a casual football fan, you know, you're going to... It's a bit like how we first started out, Kyle. It's arming our casual... An army of casual fans. That's right. The worldy army, you know who you are, uh, arming them with the capacity to head into a football season where, because once again, every single game in September is on television, if you're not a football fan, you will be exposed to it by somebody who is. So those non-football fans who love listening to our show for the humour, for the... <laughs> yeah, like that. For the guests, <laughs> what you're going to get from this episode is lots of fodder. We love giving them fodder. Fodder. There'll be so much fodder. Oh, everyone's talking about football again. Oh, what did Joel and Kyle uh, teach me? Uh, um, Sky Sports have got lots of games. They do. So do Amazon Prime. So does BT Sport. And even the BBC. See, we've already started. Yeah, we have. Um, Well, having said that I'm sort of slightly annoyed the football's back, how was the back end of last season for you? Um, Well, uh, quite emotional. Um, I went with a good friend of the pod, Joe Dyke. Oh, our uh, Palestine correspondent. Uh, he's got a blue tick on Twitter. That means he's... So in... we should probably be not... That's the blue tick, blue tick chatbot. Yeah. Did you see that uh, That somebody hacked all the blue tick things to be like, put Bitcoin in this account and I'll uh, I'll double your money? Maybe it was Joe Dyke. What? No, I don't... no, he would have been one of the potential people to be hacked. Well, we'll ask him. <laughs> But what I did do with him, aside from discuss that hacking, yeah, was go on a pilgrimage from Wembley Stadium to Griffin Park, Brentford Stadium. It was a reverse pilgrimage of their trip to Wembley for the playoff final. Obviously, no fans could go, so we did it on foot. It was a long day. It was a long walk. They lost the game. So Brentford didn't get promoted from the Championship to the Premiership? They did not. From the second tier of English football to the first, they lost out to bitter rivals Fulham, local local rivals. Yes. Uh, Fulham scored a direct goal from a free kick. The goalkeeper was off his line. It was embarrassing for all concerned. And the game billed as the most expensive game of all time because 
obviously Premier League is awash with cash. The other leagues in England, not so much. Apparently, it's worth like 200 million quid. Jeez. Brentford are not recipients of 200 million quid. But Fulham are. Fulham are. Owned by, uh, what's his first name? Mr. Khan. Let's call him that. Uh, who also owns an American football team. And his son owns a burgeoning wrestling promotion called All Elite Wrestling. That is my knowledge of the owners of Fulham. So you could say they don't even need the money. Don't even need the money. Didn't um, even need it. So that was, oh, that's sad. I like the idea of a reverse pilgrimage. Do you think you could apply that to like real world? Yeah, let's. Like uh, you go, to, you fly to Mecca and walk away. <laughs> walk backwards. Walk backwards. Or start in Canterbury and walk backwards to <laughs> London. Isn't that, a, that's a pilgrimage, isn't it? If you go to Canterbury. So. There's the one in Spain that I, I try and remember the name of. Um, there's one in France called Lord. Yeah. And you, you bathe, you get bathed by people. Was it when Madonna named her daughter Lord and everyone was like, oh, is that named after the pilgrimage? I don't remember what she said in response. I thought it was Lordez. Same thing. Same thing, spelled the same way. See, this we, we try to plan <laughs> what, what we're going to talk about and then this is why you listen, isn't it, listener? Isn't it? Hello? Hello? Come back. <laughs> Come back, you Joel, will... what have you been doing in the last eight weeks? Not watching football, that's for sure. Uh, that's a lie, that's a lie. I haven't been watching football. I unfortunately have really been engaging with football, though, because I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but there's a soap opera happening. It's going out three episodes at a time, once a week. It's on Amazon Prime. Boo. Sorry, other... Tax evading <laughs> major corporations are available. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Joel has forgotten that we did sort of do a cross-promotional podcast once with uh, Amazon Prime. I said allegedly. We just did it once. <laughs> <laughs> it's called All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur. All or Nothing is a, is a, a, as a brand has existed before. They did one in American football. They did one following Manchester City around. Both of those didn't really register with anyone. I mean, the Manchester City one was famously quite boring. Um, and now this Tottenham Hotspur one is quite boring. But having said that, I have heard a lot uh, from a lot of people who are not football fans, don't engage with football, who are watching it and think it's brilliant. It has been sort of narratively sculpted to suit whatever uh, storyline the, the producers are deciding they're going to use that week. So if you're a football fan, obviously, Joel, you're a Tottenham fan, so you really know the nitty-gritty specifics of each game. But they, they, they sort of present it as a linear thing. We're watching game after game. But really, there's sort of three or four games in between the games sometimes. And yeah. they jump about. Um but it, it, it's very much like a like a soap or like a sports documentary. Well, it's cult of the personality. Tottenham Hotspur's manager, Jose Mourinho, someone who uh, everyone has heard of, whether you engage with football or not. He is very entertaining. And I've learned one thing about him, which I didn't know before, is the man swears like a trooper. Yeah. He swears so much. It's like genuinely shocking. And then Harry Kane swore at one point and I was like, did Harry Kane swear... In like he's doing like a thing where like because the club captain was injured so Kane was captain for the day so they're all putting their arms around each other in the dressing room pre-COVID times they're allowed to and uh, was like you know geeing the team up for the game and he swore and I was like did he swear before Jose came or is he like trying to fit in? He's trying. It's like when you it's like when you're not allowed to swear at home but you go to an adult's party. And there are adults there that are swearing. And you look at your parents like, oh, can I? And they're like, no, you still can't do it. But they do. I remember that happening. My mum swearing. And I was like, yeah. 
Yes, I did feel that with Harry Kane. Jose Mourinho, I wasn't surprised. And then he, there's been some highlights. As we record this, uh, only six episodes have gone out. Some highlights include a very honest conversation, which I was so confused as to why the club let it be featured, seeing as everything else is so micromanaged. But a very honest conversation between England international, famous in these parts for having been very open with battling depression and talking about racism, Danny Rose. Uh, and Jose Mourinho, where Rose was like, why aren't you playing me? And Mourinho didn't really have an answer, but it was very honest. It was very interesting to see behind the scenes. See, I'm not totally against uh, this concept. I think if you are listening to this podcast and you don't engage in the game of football, you will like this documentary. Agreed. Uh, My partner, I was not expecting her to want to watch it. AKA your your wife. My wife. uh, (laughs) There's a couple of reasons why. One... I thought that she would just want to leave the football engagement to me as, you know. Two, she's inherently, historically an Arsenal fan. Yes. But did she enjoy it? Yes. Did she love it? Yes. Is she obsessed with it? You betcha. Oh, wow. Obsessed. Even I'm not obsessed. We're seeing her dad tomorrow, Guna Dave, of uh, this podcast, of uh, Gunners Town, of 1-0 down, 2-0. I can't remember what that one's called. Sorry, Dave. Uh, And also a brand new podcast, which we'll plug at the end. Um... We're seeing him tomorrow. We're doing a uh, a distance walk from Arsenal Stadium to Fulham Stadium, oh God, which is another a, reverse pilgrimage. Another pilgrimage? Um, What's happening? Well, because pl- fans can't go to the games at the moment. So this is a sort of uh, a charity raising thing for fans to actually share the experience of being at a game, but on the way to a game. And then they're going to, I guess, watch it in about 25 different pubs. Great. But... Um, I'm going to tell him and she's going to be very conflicted because she loves the show. She's got to pretend she doesn't. It's a betrayal. Yeah, total betrayal to be watching it. Um, I would say it, of all the football documentaries, and there have been quite a few in the last few years to come out, it's not the best. That still is reserved for Netflix's offering Sunderland Till I Die, which is honestly the best documentary about the machinations of British football about how money has ruined the game, about what players go through, about the emotional roller coaster of being a fan, of being a player, of being in the boardroom, of even being the tea ladies, who are noticeably absent from yeah, the Spurs documentary. A famous part of, of British football is the fact that quite often the people who work in the club uh, lower down, who make food, who work in the kitchens, who clean the boardroom have been there for longer than the people who run the damn thing and they are the characters that people want to know about and they are absent in the Spurs documentary. And it is interesting actually with uh, the news during lockdown that some of the top six clubs, the richest clubs in the country, nay the world, uh, with hundreds of millions pounds turnover uh, were trying to furlough their the start, the very stuff we're talking about, this, the 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 sort of ground maintenance, the, mm. the, the, the tea ladies, the ticket so to speak. Sellers. The ticket, yeah. Um, Tottenham did do that, but reversed it, didn't they? They reversed it after a lot of criticism from the football, the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. Or maybe that's why they cut them from the dark. Yeah, potentially. Or they were never interviewed to begin with, which is my theory. Do you want to know my favourite thing from the dock? Was it when Mourinho was really sad about his dog? No. Mourinho's dog dies, spoiler alert, and it is... So sad because he doesn't really know how to process real human emotion and you can really see it. And the players are so scared to sort of say sorry boss or that sad because they don't want to appear weak that they're just sort of asking questions like, what breed was it? Oh yeah, um, how old was he? Oh yeah, that's old. 
Um, no, my favourite bit, this is what I watch these documentaries for. You're watching these multi-millionaire, preened, elite athletes. You want to know inside their brains, because when you hear them interview, they just talk platitudes. What do I see behind the scenes? I see Son Min... Son Min... Cutting his toenails and his fingernails into a bin. That is exactly what I want to see. He cuts them. He's got. He doesn't. He hasn't got scissors. He's got the clippers, and he just sits there over a bin, hand over, clip, clip, clip. In Would front you? Of the, what's wrong with that? No, in front of the other guys. Who so, does that? I've never seen anyone do that. What? What are you talking about? I've I've cut my fingernails in the changing rooms at the gym. I just think it says something about him, and that's something that I wanted to know. Do you? Uh, do you favour the scissors or the toenail clippers for cutting? I your can't fingernails? use the clippers because I can't get good purchase, and it and I'm scared. Really. I can't use the scissors. I only I cut my fingernails with the toenail clippers. Well, you know what? We're gonna have a break, listener. <laughs> you can imagine us cutting each other's nails. No! That's what we're gonna try. No! We'll see you. Absolutely not. After this, we are a team, a team of men. We play football and we're gonna win the cup that everybody covered. So it's big, big shiny, shiny and it's made of gold. New season, twenty. 21 season begins now. How late? Approximately four, five weeks late? Do we care? No. We ready? Maybe. Are we excited? Sort of. Joel. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many games Sky have got in a combined package of BT Sports live this season? No, I do not. If you had to guess roughly, how many would you say? 28. 207. <sighs> oh, that's a lot of football. Um... This season, is uh, there's a brand new sort of uh, break in the uh, ruling of when you can show a football match. And this is because fans still, to this as of recording, fans are not allowed back in the stadiums. They've not been in the stadium since March, uh, and rightly so. Um, there was always a, a hard and fast rule. You could only have the three o'clock kickoffs live you could not have them televised they could never it was sacrosanct you couldn't put a match that was on at three o'clock on a saturday on the telly because the fear was people wouldn't go oh right i've just That's understood now become that. irrelevant i've just understood that i don't think i've ever understood that before i was like why have they got to do a game at 12 o'clock on a saturday and a game at 5 30 on a saturday it's because they were worried that if you put the three o'clock kickoffs on telly people would just would just watch them they wouldn't go to the game not only that but people would complain that the game had gone to the dogs I mean, I complain about that every single time we do an episode of this podcast. Well, now you can complain about it at three o'clock on a Saturday <laughs> when they play a game on the telly and you can watch it at home. There'll be games at 12, there'll be games at three, there'll be games at five, and there'll be games at eight. Saturday has become the new World Cup. Are we, this is us, we're, I mean, we're meant to be making people feel excited by this, right? But the problem is I don't feel excited by it because it's the start of the season and the seasons take a while to grow and to format, new players bedding in, all this stuff. It just feels like a lot quickly. Well, they have to because they have to play catch up. Look, I'm going to go through this very quickly. I think one of the things I learned from watching the All or Nothing uh, documentary with with my wife, who does not know the ins and outs of the league system fully, is that actually people don't really know all the differences between the cups and the leagues. And very briefly, they've got to squeeze in a whole football calendar before May because the European Championship, the international tournament, has been moved from summer just gone to next summer. Right. So not only is the season starting late, it's got to finish at the same time to squeeze in this tournament. That's that's a lot of football. You've got a to lot of bloody football. So, so we've so got the if Premier you're, League. If you're, a, if you're a normal Premier League team, say, right? So uh, Southampton, Crystal Palace. Sure. Uh, what, do you, what games do you actually have to play uh, throughout a season, what competitions? What what? Uh, how often are you playing? How many games are you playing? 
Why is it that we're going to be watching so much football in September? The main staple of football for a club t- club of, in a Premier League is the Premier League. It's the league system. You play each team home and away. That's a league. 38 games in a season. Then you're going to be in two cup competitions. The FA Cup, the famous old one where you can play anyone from anywhere. They might even be a pub team. Unlikely. That's already started. That, in fact, started in July. Perfect. Then you've got the League Cup, which they were saying with the pandemic would be would be cut there wouldn't be space for it in the calendar guess what joel they ain't cut it it's happening it's already started right so you've got that's three tournaments already that's 92 teams in the league cup yep across the uh entirety of the professional football uh, association in this country but they are trying to get the league cup finished before christmas in as much as maybe not the final but everything else they're trying to squeeze that and get it done and then the fa cup for the big team starts after christmas so it's almost like you've got one cup competition the other cup competition the league going on throughout and then of course if you're for your top teams for your top six you've got european competition joel you've got the champions league or the europa league which is a sort of less good version of the champions league that no one really cares about exactly except the winner gets into the champions league even more confusing have you, are you Hello? Are you still listening? I think they are. Hold on. That's the uh, list casual football fan listener chatbot slowly killing itself. No, they're still there. Okay, <laughs> so that's the amount of games we're talking about. For a top team, let's say Liverpool, who might go all the way to the end of each competition, that could be 60 games. 60 games a season. Yeah. Right, so 60 times 90 minutes over uh, how, long's the, uh, how long's the season last? Well, we're saying September, four months before Christmas, and then another... Nine months, ten, nine months. So 60 times 90 minutes in nine months feels very doable. Why can't we just do that? Sure, well, they're, well, they're gonna. <laughs> no, what I mean, what, what I sort of was leaning towards is why is that unusual? Like, uh, it is unusual that most of the, of the professional football teams in this country are going to be playing three games a week, which is not normal to be playing three games a week every week for the whole season. That's a lot of, of stress on the body, they are top tier athletes, but actually running around for 90 minutes at the capacity they do, and then including training and all that stuff, they will be exhausted. And the experts think this is going to be a season of injuries, Joe. It's going to be a battlefield. Players falling left, right and centre. Knocked knees, knacked knees, uh, twisted ankles. Probably much worse than that. Twisted ankles. Pulled, pulled hamstrings, <laughs> anterior cruciate ligaments. I'm just saying words. <laughs> So, suffice to say, long old season ahead. A slog. Uh, Most importantly, by the end of it, who's going to win the Premier League? Liverpool, probably. Who's going to win the FA Cup? Liverpool. Who's going to win the League Cup? Middlesbrough. Who's going to win the Europa League? Tottenham. (laughs) Who's going to win the... Laughed at that one, didn't I? A little bit too hard. Who's going to win the Champions League? Paris Saint-Germain. I have an interesting factoid about Paris Saint-Germain. This car's just on the most classic radio. Say it then, Joel. Don't tell me you've got it. So uh, Paris Saint-Germain just lost uh, the first game of the French League season. Uh, The French League season last season, unlike the Premier League, unlike the English uh, top division, was cancelled. Uh, they, uh, Covid stopped it Curtailed Curtailed and... Such cancel culture Joel Oh right Cancel French football Okay it was, it was finished They decided not to run the games in empty stadiums Paris Saint-Germain were awarded the league title So they are the champions In their first game back They had lost seven players uh, to Covid uh, And they'd lost a further ten players To either injury or 
uh, exhaustion coming off the back of international football. So they played a newly promoted team from the French second division, Lens, and they lost 1-0. Have Paris Saint-Germain, is there a conspiracy theory to be done here? Paris Saint-Germain have been screwed out of their title defence by COVID and international football. I hope so. And this is what I mean, listener. This is one thing you can take to your your football-obsessed friends when they say that, you know, it's fine, we can squeeze one of these games, you know, we just need to play football. You can say this is going to dramatically affect the outcomes in ways we don't even know, we can't even foresee, because there will be injuries, there's going to be continued players being taken out of squads for two-week quarantines because of catching corona. This is going to be a thing all the way through to next summer. Well, speaking of squads and new squads, uh, I feel like it's been a summer marked by, if you, if you follow football, every blooming day it felt like, a new headline about Chelsea FC signing new players. Almost on the regs. Massively on the regs. They've signed seven players uh, so far, which for a Premier League team uh, is considerable. Usually a Premier League team with the, the sort of money sloshing around at that level of the game would be quite embarrassed to admit that they'd... they'd mucked up their squad building to such an extent they had to buy seven players at once. Roughly how much money are we talking, just so our casual listener can be disgusted and throw up in their mouths? This is the number to remember, listener. It's £200 million in fees. Transfer fees. That's just that's not even how much they're being paid per week. That's just the fees to transfer them from one club to another. £200 million. That's a lot of ventilators. And <laughs> Probably about £200 million. No, they don't cost a pound. <laughs> Oh, God. Maybe 20,000? It took a turn. Anyway, I don't know how much a ventilator costs, uh, but uh, football is gross. Um, so, um, that's exciting. That's exciting for Chelsea. Do, does this mean... You've just said Liverpool are going to win the league. Does this mean that Chelsea are, are now being talked about as potential title contenders with all this new blood? Uh, new blood is the word there, and what your classic football pundit slash cynic will tell you is that you don't win anything until the new blood... Has blooded in. Bloody hell. <laughs> Blood City. Um, so, yes, the the jury is out, shall we say, on this Chelsea's uh, squad uh, revolution. Mm. Uh, stereotypically led by a Russian man there, calling it a revolution. But nevertheless, <laughs> the owner of the club, Roman Abramovich, has been absent for a number of years, sort of hiding in the shadows. But he's back. He's bounced back, opened his wallet... Of course, these are all just platitudes. None of these things actually happened. He didn't open his wallet and say to Frank Lampard, the manager, I've got 200 million here. <laughs> Will you spend it for me? Um, but Chelsea have bucked the trend of sort of coronavirus budgeting and they've blown the bank. Great. Good for them. Uh, well, before we uh, finish on Chelsea and move on to the next segment, um, there's something that uh, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I assume you might know more than me about this. Uh, what would you say if I said the name Danny Drinkwater to you? I'd say that Danny Drinkwater should probably be more nominative, deterministic. He has been uh, criticised for his wayward career. He was a Premier League winner with Leicester City. Chelsea, the aforementioned big spenders, spent big on him, £30 And he has only played a handful of games for them in the Premier League. He had a a sort of self-confessed alcohol problem. Mm. He was done for drink driving. Um, and he came out in the press this week and said, I need to get myself back on track. He really did. Um, it is very cruel uh, of the world to give someone whose name is Drinkwater uh, alcohol problems. But um, it's also amazing and refreshing to see a man in his early 30s with the kind of career that he's 
got and the kind of world that he lives in uh uh being honest about this he said um i told myself that i needed to clean myself up big time i had a wake-up call after the drink driving another wake-up call after the nightclub and then another wake-up call after the incident at villa then it's like this has got to stop uh all of those happened in the last uh, season and a half uh big scandals at the time He's clearly got to try and get his career back on track, but it has been the reason for me it's noteworthy is just how honest he's been. I uh, have to admit, though, like if you're going to keep having, you can only have one wake up call. Yeah, that's a lot of wake up calls. That's a, a, a series of events where you've got to be thinking if you're a professional athlete, <laughs> then I probably should stop drinking so much. Yeah, I feel I do feel sorry for him, uh, mm. despite him being a multimillionaire and an elite athlete. Uh, everyone makes mistakes and footballers are very uh, rarely allowed to forget this. Yeah, and very rarely allowed to be as honest as he's been. Do we think he will get a move away from Chelsea? Um, yes. In short, I think he will be saying goodbye to Frank Lampard's squad very, very soon. And hopefully, as you say, he'll be drinking water. Okay, football is good. Football is fun. Football is there for everyone. I can't really be bothered to follow it properly, but I'll tell you one thing. I prefer it to broccoli. Kickball with football, yeah. But Joel and Kyle, I hear you cry, listener. Enough of this faff about men's football. What is going on in the women's game? Didn't you promise us that you would always talk about women's football in every single episode? We did. We do we? Sometimes? A little bit? No, not enough. Uh, The Women's Super League did not restart after coronavirus. Only the Men's Premier League did. Uh, Scandal. scandal Scandal-ish. Uh, the women's super league is entire. The, the clubs in the women's super league in this country are entirely reliant on money coming in from sponsorship and money given to them by the men's game, which is a bit of a problem because money in the men's game is going to be tighter because of coronavirus. So the women's game is going to suffer indirectly because they don't have TV money and because very few of their games are televised. They didn't come back to finish the season. Their season just stopped when the rest of us stopped in March. Having said that, it's back. It's back and it's bigger, a lot bigger. Some of the signings made by the women's Super League teams are very, very exciting. Not least, continuing from our last segment, the world record transfer of Peniel Harder to Chelsea for £250,000. It is a world record in the women's game. Very exciting to see what she can do. Chelsea already have Sam Kerr, who we've spoken about lovingly on this podcast before, as well as England legend Fran Kirby back after a whole year out of the game. Uh, That's a really exciting thing that's happening. Not just them, England legends are coming back to these shores, Kyle. They are. Lucy Bronze, probably the best player in the world, I'd say. Uh, that's the most Anglo-centric take on that, but let's... The best player in the world, Lucy Bronze. <laughs> the best, how about the, just the best English player? The best l- fullback in woman in the woman's game. I would say probably in both games. <laughs> the best fullback in the world, Lucy Bronze. And she speaks more than one language. We know that because we told you that last summer. She has signed from Lyon the uh, the female games equivalent of Real Madrid signing Galacticos from all over the world. We'll take you. We'll have you. Have some money. Come play for us. Well, guess what? She's back playing for Man City, as is Alex Greenwood. Also brought back from Leon as well. So it's almost as if in sort of a mi- holding a mirror up to Britain's current political climate, 
Yeah. We're saying, Europe, we'll take back our best players, thanks. We don't want to share them with you no more. Yeah, well, the two of them went there, along with Nikita Paris, another England, English World Cup legend, Lioness. Uh, uh, Paris is staying, by the looks of it, although the transfer window is not shut yet. Uh, they went there and they won everything. They've won the league, uh, I think, three times for bronze, two times for Greenwood. They've won the Champions League three times in the time that Boosie Bronze has been there. She's won everything at Lyon. Why should she stay? Come back and win the league with City. Let's see what happens. It's going to be City versus Chelsea, I think. United have invested well. Um, that's Manchester United. Arsenal are always there or thereabouts. Their women's team, unlike the men's team, have had no struggles in recent years. They're a really exciting, uh, attacking, fluid unit. It's probably between those four to win the Women's Super League. It's already started. Uh, it started with a, uh, a very exciting game between United and Chelsea, which finished one all. Uh, my thinking is that City will probably do it. I think those are some really exciting signings. Unfortunately, just as in the men's game, you can't get along to see a game and many, many less games are televised. The BBC occasionally have them on the red button, uh, which is how I watch the City United game. Uh, but uh, we know that a lot of our listeners want to get more into women's football. Unfortunately, not possible right now, but you can still follow them via, I follow them via like BBC website. There's always stuff on there. Uh, where you can look into it and learn more about the women's game in relation to the behemoth that is men's football. A couple of takeaways there for you about the women's game, WSL, Women's Super League. One, you knew Chelsea was spending big in the men's game, but that, that is a kind of snapshot of the discrepancy between men's and women's football in this country. The men's team spending 200 million on seven new players, and the women's game spending 250,000 and breaking the world record on just one player. Yeah. Uh, and a funny little takeaway, which I think will really raise some eyebrows if you can smack this one out in uh, your friends' faces. Paris is probably staying at Leon. <laughs> Does that need explaining? The, you'll be, if, you can, if you can pull that one off, you'll be the biggest football hipster of all time. Tell you what, listener, record yourself. Hopefully you're the kind of listener who has no interest in football whatsoever. Record yourself telling someone who knows a lot about football especially one of those blokes who does not engage with the women's game and you say to them do you know what i find most exciting this summer paris is staying at leon record it tweet us at worldy podcast and they'll say what are you talking about they're, they're two different cities and you look at them and just give them a second and say nikita nikita paris and they'll be like mm, they'll give you a sort of like a, a proud nod <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back with some final thoughts on the season that are ahead uh, just after this. Do, 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 do. I wanna kick you in the face. But enough about the women's super league. That's just the same as talking about the Premier League. And this podcast has never been interested in successful football. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> give us your trivia, give us your little oddities. That's what we want. If we were a podcast cut, oh crap! If we keep that in, <laughs> I will. If we were a football team, if this podcast was a football team, what football team would we be? Um, when we were at home, we'd be Forest Green Rovers. But when we're out on the piss, we'd be Wickham Wanderers. Wickham Wanderers. If you listened to the last episode of the last series, aka our fiftieth ever episode, you'll have known that we waxed lyrical for an entire episode about the exploits of Wickham Wanderers. Uh, their star players and their manager being promoted to the championship for the first time in their history. Kyle, give us a Wickham wandering update. Well, uh, they after that game, 
they had to kick them out of Wembley Stadium. They're like, we're closing the stadium, please go home. <laughs> the players hadn't even got changed out of their kits, which is just so cute. Like when you're a kid and you've won a, like, a cup competition for your local team and you go to McDonald's. So they all got in the coach and they went back to Adams Park, which is their home stadium in Wickham, not very far from Wembley. And they stayed at Adams Park on the pitch until six in the morning. Great, love it. Uh, well, that was well. That was the same time we did the last episode, so about two months ago. They are now a fully fledged squad, ready for second tier football for the first time in a very, very long time. Ever, ever, first ever. time ever, ever. I apologise, ever. Uh, our favourite player, perhaps of all time, who liked one of our tweets, no, one of our Instagram posts. Uh, Adebayo Akinfenwa has signed on for another year at the club. His first season in the, t- in the second tier too, and. They've also uh, really doubled down with Gareth Ainsworth. He has swapped his snakeskin boots for what I was watching in a cup game against Brentford in the Carabao Cup last weekend. Just a pair of leather boots. Just leather. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. That's sad. And also surprising because I read an interview with him in the Guardian newspaper uh, where he said people have told him if he changes his style, if he tones down the leather jackets... Maybe he gets a bit of a haircut, stops looking like the front man in an 80s rock band. He might get a better job. But he's sticking to his guns. Or is he? The leather boots, the first sign that he's trying to angle for a better job. It, but the jacket was so tatty. Like, it, at least for, for the Wembley game, it was like maybe a newer leather jacket. This was like a proper worn-in, like collarless leather jacket with the sort of the, the ribbed shoulders. But it's all like, oh, it just looks a state. I love it. I love it. I think all football managers should have that much character, be that exciting, and come on, Wickham. I don't want just them to just stay up, Kyle. I want them to get promoted to the Premier League. Wickham Wanderers in the Premier League. You heard it here first, listener. It will happen. But, Kyle, you mentioned what we would be if we were at home. Yeah, what I meant by that is Wickham Wanderers on the piss, they love a party, uh, which we've seen. Uh, we've talked about Forest Green Rovers a lot because they are Vegan FC. Vegan FC, FTW. And I said I'll be that in the week because that's what I try and be at home. I try and not wow. eat meat and I am just, at home. I'll just be honest and say I am that that wanker that you hate. I am a vegan. That, that's you, listener, not Kyle. Kyle likes me. You don't hate vegans, guys. You don't. Especially Forest Green. I mean, they're probably not vegan all the time, but at the club they don't have any meat or dairy and they're elite athletes and it works. How how has their pre-season gone? What division are they in? League Two, which is the fourth tier of English football. They're actually being tipped for promotion uh, this season. They've got uh, one of the most experienced managers in the league, Mark Cooper, uh, and they've made some good signings, solid signings. I'm predicting a top six finish, maybe some playoff action. And we would love to be there to sample the pies. That's the only reason I want to go. I want to go for the pies. Hopefully the pies will get a bit of a boost uh, coming up soon because they've had some investment from an unlikely source. Yeah, they have had uh, interest from uh, a sort of vegan warrior celebrity man, Hector Bellerin, who is a footballer himself, a professional footballer for Arsenal. Now you might think there might be a slight conflict of interest there. A Premier League player playing in the English League, buying a section of a club in the... Don't worry, he's bought such a minimal amount in the club that it legally is not a conflict of interest. But he is a. He once, last season, made a promise that um, I think on social media, if he got a certain amount of likes or if uh, retweets, he would plant 30,000 trees. He did that. Paddy Power, the uh, the, the sort of betting. Bookmakers. Yeah, they, they did a sort of ironic 
promise of themselves if if people backed Arsenal to win and hadn't won in games, they'd also plant 30,000 views, which I think they also did. Great. Um, but yeah, Hector Bellerin, it's a great move for the club. He's also very political. He's, we've spoken about him before, actually. On Instagram and Twitter, he constantly supports uh, unusual causes and tries to highlight things that maybe other people aren't highlighting. He's, uh, uh, he's uh, a good egg, is Hector Bellerin. And... He's now invested in a club that don't have any eggs, so... (laughs) He's also a fashion designer. Is he? I didn't know that. He designed the Arsenal, or co-designed, the Arsenal uh, suits for the FA Cup final. Of course he did. Of course he did. What a legend. I love Hector And now he's part of one of our favourite clubs. And now we, us and Hector, will be down cheering on the Rovers whenever we actually get invited, or whenever we're allowed to go back to football stadiums. Um, so Kyle, that's the new season. That's it. It's very exciting. But let's be honest, we've missed out the thing that has excited both of us more than anything since 2003. And that is the return to the Premier League of Leeds United. Listener, Leeds United might be a name you've heard before, because they're one of the biggest clubs in British football history. They've not been in the Premier League since, I think, the year you just said, Joel. I'm guessing why that's why you said that That was year. what I was t- <laughs> pitching for. Carl. 17 years they've been out of the top league, and they're back. They're back. And we have a correspondent, Leeds fan, Benedict Shaw, on the line to talk to us about it. Well, thanks very much, chaps. Uh, I tell you what, this podcast, Milarkey, podcasts. Last time Leeds were in Premier League, I was playing Sonic on my Dreamcast. Oh, but anyway, enough of that. I think now's about the time to talk about the return to the Premier League of one of England's finest ever football clubs, Leeds United. And leading us through the myriad of emotions, the heading and the kicking and the bread and the dripping, is avid London-born follower, Benedict Shaw. Well, thanks a lot, Dave. Um, How does it feel to be back? That is a good question. Um, Well, it's been a long 16 years. Uh, I won't lie, but supporting Leeds quite honestly hasn't felt this fun since probably 2001-2, you know, the David O'Leary Champions League era. Uh, I actually don't feel embarrassed to be a Leeds fan, um, which takes some courage to say that. Um, You know, we're grabbing the headlines now for the right reasons and, you know, it's strange, that feeling. It's it's so strange that we're developing a a new set of followers and admirers. She's almost shaking off the reputation that we built since the 70s of being dirty leads. But uh, I, I can see why it's happening. You know, we we play some great football, you know, pu- football at its purest form um, a lot of the time. And uh, it's a tantalising prospect to see, you know, what this team can do this season, uh, playing football the right way and uh, playing it in a way that's so, you know, attack-minded. Um, I can't wait to see what we can do this season I mean you know being a Leeds fan and watching us you know reach the championship player final one year and then getting relegated to league one the following season you know I'm experienced to um dizzying 
heights of emotions, but I'm certainly going to enjoy this season and take in every moment and take it for what it is, you know? So what's it been like as a Leeds fan for these, as you say, very long 16 years? Well, it's a good question, Dave. Um, as you might expect, it's been some ride. Uh, it, I mean, this has been a ride that has had its fair share of great moments. Um, you know, under Simon Grayson in particular, we had a great core of players at that time, you know, with Jermaine Bedford and Robert Snodgrass and Johnny Housen. And these players restored a bit of pride in the club. And as fans, we felt positive about where we were potentially heading you know we, um, we knocked out Manchester United on their own patch in the FA Cup but uh, the highs have been kind of short-lived really and by and large it's been a roller coaster that has induced a fair bit of pain and a bit of nausea I think we've been through about 19 different managers and five different sets of ownership um, and I think for a lot of Leeds fans like myself you were beginning to wonder how and when we were going to claw our way out of this hole that we, you know, dug for ourselves. So the rebirth that began about two or three seasons ago has been most welcome and, well, we now find ourselves where we are. I see, so who's this bloke then? You're El Loco, Marcelo Bielsa, you know, manager. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, who is this guy? Well, hmm, he's our god, really. Um, he's kind of like the father that I never had. Uh, it's difficult to find precise words to describe such an eccentric figure, but I sort of feel like he's the footballing equivalent of Stanley Kubrick. You know, he is an obsessive. And whilst there might be an exhaustive quality to his working methods, you know, categorically, he has transformed... Leeds United Football Club in just two seasons. You've got to remember that this is a guy who took over a team that finished 13th in the table the season before he joined. And, you know, just with a handful of new faces, Bielsa has managed to improve the players technically and physically to a point that not just has blown expectations of the fans, but also the players themselves. Uh, th this is what that guy is capable of, you know, he he's created this ethos and humility within the team so that whatever 11 goes on that pitch, there's no spare part and, you know, each one is a cog in the machine and that's why it was such a joy to watch, but it's why the football has been so effective in just the space of two seasons. Uh, it's no wonder that the players were shouting his name when we won the title and... You know, his impact has been colossal and I don't think you will find a Leeds fan anywhere who isn't grateful that we have him. Right then, Benedict. So, the million dollar question, almost quite literally, do you think Leeds will stay up like? Well, I do think that the style of football that we play, you know, Bielsa ball, obviously, I do kind of think it lends itself quite well to the Premier League. It's attack-minded, it's quite free-flowing, it's possession-based, and I'd like to think that the players carry on that sort of freedom of expression that they showed for the last two seasons into this new season against, obviously, higher-quality teams. Um, the issue 
of finding the back of the net for me remains. Uh, it, it feels weird saying it considering we were champions, but you know, there were moments last season when scoring goals was really a problem for us. And I do think that the days of beating Barnsley 1 0, despite having 28 efforts on goal, are over. You know, I think we really do need to learn quite quickly this season to start converting our chances into goals. Um, there's obviously also the issue of squad depth. We got away with having one recognised striker for the whole second half of last season. Um, I don't think we can really be as lucky this season, so I'd like to think before the window closes, we might reinforce two or three positions. Um, but, you know, I'm here to just enjoy this season and enjoy the moment. It's been a long time coming. Um, I don't particularly have too many expectations. My heart says that we will adapt quite well and it will be quite a joyful addition to the league and quite a surprise actually. Um, my head, uh, <laughs> I'm a cynic because I'm a Leeds fan, my head tells me that we might just come up short just because of the lack of depth. But you know, we march on and in Bielsa we trust. Whoa, what an episode and we're back. 51st episode, first episode of season six. Uh, the fact that you have so much pain on your face when you say season six pleases me down to a point where I, it's almost embarrassing. What an episode. I really enjoyed this. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think as the listener may have noticed at the start, I was trepidatious. I was thinking, oh, football again. But now I'm like, football again? I think what you're forgetting, Joe, is football basically never ends. The football never ends. To quote David Mitchell, see the football, catch the football, there's the football, it's football all the time. It's all the time. We just try and break it up season by season for you, really. So you, <laughs> so you can be like, oh, are you talking about season six of football? Is that what you mean? <laughs> season six, oh, because in episode three of season six. Yeah, that's yeah, what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Listen up, we hope you've enjoyed us being back, chatting the nonsense that we chat and giving you at least a couple of interesting facts about British and global football. Um, please, please, please share, share, share this podcast. We'd love to expand our listenership. We'd love to speak to more people all over the world. If you know someone who likes football, if you know someone who doesn't, please recommend us to them. And the thing that you can do is you can leave a comment, can't you, Kyle? Please do. Leave a comment, leave a, a, a rating, a review. That's that's really how these things spread on, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. You can't do that. No. No, just an Apple Podcast. <laughs> Obviously, you can see how savvy we are. Um, another thing I would say, if you want to be a guest, get in contact. Tweet us. AbsoluteWorldyPodcast at gmail.com is our email. At WorldyPodcast is our tweeter. Tweeter? <laughs> Our account to tweet us at uh... <laughs> Most importantly, smash five stars. You can do it. Right, hold on. I'm gonna just wait. We're not gonna stop. You're just gonna you're gonna take your phone in your hand and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna click uh, you're gonna click off, but you're still listening. And then you're gonna make sure you click on Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. There's our two faces. There's 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 Joel and Carl's face. And just under where it says ratings reviews, we've already got five out of five so far as a rating. You're gonna press five stars hold on we'll all do it together three two one five didn't that feel fantastic everyone and now also while you're still there just go back into your um search and you can look up gunners down gunners town pod that's if you like arsenal um you might do that if you like arsenal you listen to guna dave what a pod that is if you like arsenal even if you don't i guess no okay fine um, joel before we go I think this might be a regular thing we do every end of every episode. What was our worldie of this week's worldie? 
What was a what, what was a what was the worldy to take away for our listener? What I think take away? it was the throwback to remembering that Madonna named her daughter after a pilgrimage. And you? I think probably the return of Leeds United. <laughs> See you next time, <laughs> listeners. That sums up our podcast perfectly. Bye. That was the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast by Carl Ross and Joel Samuels with theme music by Adam Janosz-Bazowski and Amachada Patel. Absolute Weldy is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeker. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us at Weldy Podcast on Twitter, Absolute Weldy Football Podcast on Instagram, and drop us a line anytime at absoluteweldypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. We'll see you next time. Love you. Bye. Oh, no, before we go, okay. just a plug. Gunners Town Pod, that's a. Shit, yeah, that's a. Kick or whistle.